That's nice, isn't it? Do you like that? I wrote that just the other day on the fly because for these podcasts, I'm trying to keep them fresh and each episode I write a little transitional jingle to go from the intro into the interview just for you, for your enjoyment, for your listening pleasure. But I thought I could do something more with these. Instead of just cranking out a 30 to 40 second jingle, I could write some full-length songs. So here's what we're going to do. With anyone who is so far signed up at Patreon, as well as the next 10 patrons, I'm going to put together a small EP of instrumentals and give it to you for free. So you can go to patreon.com forward slash Clockwork Nights podcast and sign up, sign up for a monthly donation or just a one-time donation, anything would be greatly appreciated. You know, I, I take pride in writing all the music for this show. And I thought, you know what, why not just give a little bit more back to you and have something fun for you to listen to or whatever. I'll even put each of you down as the executive producers. How about that? <laughs> Again, patreon.com forward slash clockwork nights podcast. All right, let's do the show. Podcast nerds, welcome to the show. This is episode seven of Clockwork Nights. My name is Clark Wayne. I'm your host. Thank you so much for tuning in and checking this out. Are you a first time listener? Have you been listening the whole time? Are you an OG from when Clockwork Nights was from 2015 to 17? Let me know. You can send me an email at clockworknightspodcast at gmail.com. We can converse. I've caught up with all the emails, especially want to give a shout out to Joel and his wife, I believe, Melanie in Canada. Thank you so much for writing back and forth with me, Joel. It's been a pleasure corresponding with you over the emails. It's been great. Also, we want to give a shout out to David and Joy for writing in over the last couple of weeks. Thank you for doing that as well. Uh, I always love to check in on the emails, and if you have something you would like to say, or if any of these podcast conversations have meant anything to you, I'd love to hear your feedback. If you've learned something new, I'm telling you, I'm learning something new, so I, I would love to hear what you're hearing for the first time, or what you're learning as you're listening to these conversations. Did I say that okay? Am I getting a little too wordy? That seems to be my problem. And then I get super anxious and trip over my words and I can't even order a beer sometimes without tripping over my words. What the heck? Who am I? <laughs> my guest today is Claire Ballard. Claire and I used to be neighbors in Evansville, Indiana when I lived downtown. And Claire is better known for... <laughs> I always like to mention the neighbor part, don't I? And just hang on that and just be like, they're my neighbor. Like it's some kind of badge of honor for the other person. <laughs> Uh, Claire was a disc jockey at a radio station that I grew up on. Um, she was on the radio much later after I grew up. Maybe, well, I haven't really grown up 
Have I? No, I haven't. Uh, but Claire has been a disc jockey for years and has recently exited the radio industry, as it were. And we get into Claire's story and, and what's going on with Claire and some, you know, all, always interesting topics with the guests and always excited for you guys to hear it. But how are you doing? Are you keeping up with the World Series? I'm recording this on Monday afternoon, and now we have baseball in November. It's kind of a bummer. It's kind of all right. There's, you know, a win to it because we have baseball into one more month of the year. We don't have to wait as long. That's cool. However, we have not beaten the Astros out of the World Series yet. And I can't wait for the Braves to win it. I'm really pulling for Freddie Freeman and, of course, Jock Peterson, who is a Cub earlier this year. I think we can do it. I said the Braves would take it in six. And there is a game tomorrow night on November 2nd, shortly after uh, this podcast will be released. So hopefully they take it home. I know everyone here in the South is rooting for him. Atlanta's not that far away. So there's lots of Braves fans here in town last night at the bar. It was electric, I'll say that. And then it wasn't. <laughs> when Houston continued to stack on top of their lead, you, the people started leaving, and I don't blame them. So did I. <laughs> Either way, it's going to be all right, and we can look forward to things like Thanksgiving and Christmas, which are just right around the corner. I hope that you will be able to get off work or make time to spend with your loved ones, whether it be friends or family or both. I know that I personally enjoy partaking in Friendsgivings. And don't get me wrong, I love seeing family as well. But, you know, there's just something about being an adult and finding friends to celebrate life with. And that's that's always a good feeling, especially when you meet people from who knows what corner of the world. You come together for a night, you share a dish, you share multiple dishes together and, and everyone just partakes. And the conversation, I think, is richer and deeper in those environments. And I love it. I want more of it. <laughs> hey, I did want to take a second and talk about the little intro jingle promo that I just did for the Patreon. Again, I write all of the music for this podcast. And typically, the way that I do it is I just sit down and write a piece, build on it, and was like, you know what? That sounds good, and then I put it out there. The reason that's so important for me is I tend to be the writer who writes for forever and ever on something until it sounds exactly the way that I think it should sound, and even then, I don't share it with people. So this is a good exercise. This show in and of itself is a good exercise for me to just get music out and for people to hear it and to practice that, you know, letting go aspect <laughs> as an artist. For those who have signed up for Patreon and those who continue to sign up for Patreon, uh, I think I said the next 10 people who sign up, I will be giving away an EP for free. So I'm going to start writing that and it's going to sound, it's going to be built off of the, the songs that I've already written for the show. I just thought, why not just do more? Maybe put it together, make a little score, make something fun for everyone to listen to. So if that's something that you would like to receive, or even if you just enjoy this podcast and you want to give five bucks or contribute monthly, whatever you want to do, patreon.com forward slash clockwork nights, and you can donate there. It, a little bit goes a long ways. It really does. Even just editing this podcast is a part-time job. <laughs> 
I'm not kidding. And anyone who has done a podcast or is in the music industry or has done any kind of performance piece thing that they've had to present, you know, or just think about like, have you been in a speech class before and you had to stand in front of your presentation and do the clicker while reading your notes? And it's a lot. It's, it's something I enjoy, thankfully, but does take a little bit of work. So if you would like to contribute to it, I know that uh, I would just say thank you over and over again and continue to give you good material and, and possibly allow me to do things with guests that I have yet to do and, and, and roll out some ideas with those guests um, that could be fun. Might, might take a little bit of the moolah, but it would, it would be fun. It'd be cool. All right. I'm just going to keep those, those ideas to myself and keep working through them. You just keep working through whether you want to donate or become a monthly patron to the podcast. Either way, you're good in my book. We're going to keep doing this. I've got a lot of guests lined up and it's it's going to be a thing. Like we're we're really going for this this time around and um that's it. <laughs> so in this interview with Claire, we do get into some very important issues that I hope um you know, I just hope that we're all paying attention. I hope that we're taking the time to listen to our fellow humans and if we disagree with them, I still hope that we are being respectful and and just meeting people, it, just not compromising, but at least just halfway in the conversation, just by listening. And I, I just think that's so important right now. It's so important to converse with others and to pull from others. And, and we get into the importance of that in this conversation. We get into some really good, meaningful topics. And, and I'm just really grateful you know, that, that we got to spend this time on Zoom. It, it was so good. And I, I really um, am grateful to be able to share this with you guys. All right, here we go. Here is my conversation with the wonderful Claire Ballard. Hello. Hey, Clark. Hey, is it working? Yeah, but I'm so disappointed because I have a uh, spot that I'm renting in downtown Evansville for a podcast studio. Uh I have mics and like everything, but I don't have everything's set up to this like desktop and I don't have um, a webcam. That's right. So it was either I wasn't going to see you (laughs) <laughs> or I don't get to use the cool mics. Yeah. Um, and and are you doing this off of your phone right now? It's just my laptop. Your laptop. And there's not a way to connect it to your laptop? Uh, no, unfortunately. I don't have... Okay. I have like a MacBook that doesn't uh-huh. have like a normal USB port uh, and all that. Gotcha. Okay. That's all right. Um, so, thumbs down. Yeah. <laughs> It's all right. Dude, I'm I'm sorry. Like I sent that link from my phone of the same meeting, but I guess because I was already in the meeting on the MacBook, it was a no-go. Okay. <laughs> Hot start for both of us. Yeah. <laughs> like I've I've done this before, I promise. Right. No, I believe you. Like literally the last thing on the list now needs to be the first thing on the list because I was gonna be like, hey, do you have any broadcasting tips? <laughs> no, man. <laughs> You're always winging it. 
Awesome. Cool. How are you doing? I'm okay. I'm okay. Uh, switched jobs recently and like kind of turned my life upside down and things are really good. Yeah. So yeah. It, it, it turned your life upside down in a good way? Yes, absolutely. I think like, you know, a little bit of regret is going to creep in at some point, like, or maybe not like regret, regret, but yeah, missing what I left behind. But I, it, not a, not even a little bit yet. I, I feel great. I'm on a different schedule now. So I'm sleeping more. And I just, it's amazing how just better, how much better I feel in a, in a new job environment. Um, and, and like I said, getting more sleep. Yeah. I was, that was one of the first things I was going to ask is, did you have to get up at like three 30 or four in the morning to do radio? Yep. Yep. Uh, and I did that for, Definitely five years. It could have been closer to six, but wow. And I'm not a morning person at all. Yeah. I don't know. Even with are. coffee? I mean, I can get there, but I did. I, you know, I, I had to. Yeah. It was Adderall and coffee, truthfully. <laughs> um, and then, then the last year I cut yeah. off Adderall, which that was an experience in and of itself uh, after yeah. being on Adderall for about 10 years, probably total. And wow. Getting off of that, but I'm glad I did. And, Anyway, but yeah, yeah. That, that helped. <laughs> what led to that decision? So I have been seeing a therapist for the last three years. I, when I turned 30, my dog had died. I went through a breakup and I thought I just could benefit maybe from learning more about myself and digging through some grief. I've lost my dad. He died 10 years ago and I've never really like talked to anyone about that. So anyway, I, I, I love my therapist and, and highly recommend it for everyone. And one day we were talking and I just brought up the fact that I was on it. I had never told him before. And mm. he was like, how long have you been on that? I was like, oh, like 10 years. And he's like, what? <laughs> According to him, you're not supposed to be on things like that for more than two years at a time without a break. It's just for your brain. Oh, wow. So I was, And it was during the pandemic when we were having this discussion and I was like, yeah, maybe I could get off it. So I just went for it. And, yeah. uh, it was not fun. It was not a fun, probably three months, realistically, definitely the first two months were not fun, but, but three overall, but I feel much better now and Good. I'm less productive, but <laughs> sure. But you know. Probably able to still focus on the important things. Yes. Manage still decently well. Yeah, I, I get by. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> by by your standards or by like someone um, else's standards. You know, I, I, I can like get a standard. I can get work done. I can like I function well mm. without it. Um I'm just not like awesome. Mm. You know, like when before it was just like you could accomplish anything in a day that maybe was on your to-do list. Now I'm like uh, maybe I'll get to that. Maybe I won't. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> um, it just takes longer to do things, I guess. Wow. That's crazy. I was on a steroid a few years ago. I was on prednisone for like six weeks and it was insane. Like, cause I've never taken like any kind of medical drugs before in my life. I guess coffee is probably the most insane thing that I've had had done <laughs> before prednisone. Wow. <laughs> and I'll never forget one, the doctor didn't tell me to stop drinking coffee while on prednisone. 
And they're like, maybe it'll cause a little bit of a heartburn feeling. That's a fucking lie. It like was a heart attack. Like Aww. it literally like was had the worst chest pains. But I felt the same way at 5 a.m. that I felt at 10 a.m. that I felt at 3 p.m. that I felt at 11 at night. It was just like, wow, 24-7, just like I'm ready to get stuff done. I was working at Starbucks at the time. So that's why I was a little pissed that he didn't tell me to not drink coffee. Because here I am like still drinking like my normal coffees and just going. I'll never forget the moment. I can still see me standing there in the Starbucks in in North Park and everything just stopped. And I could see the dust just like slowly going by (laughs) my body and my coworker was standing in front of me and I snapped at him and she's like, dude where did you go? And I was like, I don't know. <laughs> so between, oh, that's scary though. Yeah. Between that and like heart attack every other night, like waking up and just thinking that my insides were killing me. I, I got off of it. I was like, I can't do this. Like the medical stuff that I was, that I was dealing with at the time, I was like, I can find a different way. It was allergy related. Like, you know, I was going to say, why were you on it? Yeah. It was, it was trying to find out the symptoms for the allergies that I was having. And family doctor just immediately was like, oh yeah, we'll put you on this. Like, no questions asked. And then I went and saw an allergist who I still recommend to people here in Nashville, even though he's in Evansville. His name's Dr. Claylot and he works out of Deaconess. Or is it still Deaconess? Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, <laughs> some things have changed, so I don't know. I know. But, I yeah. So he he pretty much like ran a whole gamut of tests on my body and was just like, no, 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 no. We're going to find the issue. Like... You know, it's there's a very rare chance that you're going to have lupus because you're male, but we're still going to send you to a lupus doctor to get tested over there. And then I'll have his results come back to me. Like he treated me like yeah. I was his own. And wow. I say, I've been on steroids too um, recently. I, I had some pretty serious health complications over the last year. So I was on like a, an extremely high dose of steroids. I did like IV steroids for three days and then was okay. on them for a couple of weeks weaning down. And that was a a bad time altogether. So it's hard to say like what was from the steroid and what was just from why I was getting the steroid. But I definitely remember like thinking that I wasn't because you think like they say you might be more hungry. Mm. Uh, And I remember thinking at the time, like I'm not. And then I looked back on like what I was eating and I was like going through food. Um, Yeah, that was the time for yeah. sure. Yeah, it's crazy. Like the body is interesting. You said you're in your 30s now. Yep. And okay, so supposedly like every 7 years your allergies change. So that came out of that time in my life like learning about my <laughs> allergies <laughs> and prednisone reaction. Yeah. Um I'll just say this, I don't like I think my my 30s feel way better in my 20s, like at least mentally. And then some of that has to do with getting proper therapy. But <laughs> I don't know. There's just something about this part of my life where I'm willing to learn about my body and what it responds to and how it reacts to um, you know, whether it's major trauma or just a day-to-day thing that's going to aggravate it. You know, I, I feel like maybe I'm just maybe it's just like a mental thing. Like I'm actually listening now, you know, but then it's also like willing to tell me things because I'm not running on all of this, 
young energy anymore. It's just kind of like, no, 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 no. Like the brakes are pumping just a smidge. Like you can still right. go 80 and a 75, but like <laughs> at least <laughs> hit the right. brakes every once in a while. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think I'm there with you. Definitely mentally, intuitively I'm plugged in way more. And, but like I said, I, I went through such a, a major thing with my health. I don't know if that's kind of, if your allergies were like, I mean, it sounds like they were pretty severe. Yeah. Um, they Like it caused hives at one point. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, I had no, I've never had any medical issues. I've never had anything um, yeah. until last year. Hmm. Wait, so, like, was it stress-induced? Anxiety? I don't know. I don't yeah. know. Uh, basically, um, I was at work, uh, I guess, for several months last year. I'm not sure what is related, you know, like the things mm-hmm. that I've experienced, how it's connected. But for a good portion of last year, I started having some like shoulder and neck pain, like felt like I had been working out a lot or doing something. I would get like those tension um, knots or whatever. Yeah. And I couldn't figure it out. I started seeing a chiropractor. I was going to a massage therapist and doing acupuncture and none of it really helped a lot. And then finally by December, I was at the radio station. We were recording stuff for the next day and my words started to slur. I was like, that's kind of weird. And Mm -hmm. the rest of the weekend, I felt a little bit sick, like feverish, um, weak, and like, just my tongue was really heavy. It was like, I just, sometimes I would notice it with, when talking and sometimes I wouldn't, but finally by Monday, it wasn't better. So I ended up going to the ER and, uh, they ran a bunch of tests. Everything came back normal. And of course the ER doctor, you know, picked up on the fact that I was a radio host. And so he was like, maybe it's just vocal fatigue. At this point, I was really kind of feeling some pain on my left side too. Mm. I was like, I know it's not that, but whatever. So he referred me to an ear, nose and throat doctor. And it was one that I actually know. And so, um, I got in with him and a few days later, and by that time it was like a lot of pain and it was in my head on the left side too. Um, so I got in for an MRI and they found a brain lesion. So I have, um, an actual like scar on the front right part of my brain and, it looked suspicious for multiple sclerosis, but multiple sclerosis is more than one sclerosis or scar. Right. And I only have one. And so, um, I've been trying to figure out what caused that and the symptoms and everything else since then. Yeah. Um, And don't have an answer. I've, I've been Mayo clinic. I've been to, um, an infectious disease specialist and neurologist up at IU health. And, uh, I've also been seeing a Lyme literate doctor because the only I've been tested for everything. Like you mentioned lupus, I've been tested for everything hmm. and it's all negative, except I did have one positive Lyme test, but it was for Lyme antibodies. So it means that I've had Lyme in the past. Not that I necessarily have an active Lyme infection now. Yeah. Um, but Lyme is really tricky to pick up on and the testing's not great. So after I didn't get any answers from Mayo, I started diving into the the Lyme possibility. And I still don't know if that could have contributed in some way, but mm. I think it's likely. And yeah. 
we did three weeks of antibiotic treatment and I felt significantly better afterwards. So, wow. And that's something you could have picked up somewhere at some point in your life and you would have never known until the symptoms came. Yeah. You know, everybody kind of thinks of it as like a tick bite. So the first thing is, did you ever notice a tick on you? Did you, did you ever see a tick bite? And the answer is no from me. And I think for a lot of people, Hmm. um, I do have a dog and I spend time outside and at the dog park and things. So like, you never know, but, uh, I I don't recall ever seeing a a tick bite, but Lyme is, Lyme is complicated and it's crazy looking into that world, just how many people deal with that and, some people have it chronically, which it's not really acknowledged in the medical community community, like that it can be a chronic condition. Okay. But there's all these people that suffer and there's just not, yeah, there's not a lot of answers. So. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Weird. <laughs> yeah. I, well, you know, it's also in those things too, where so much of the attention is put on so many other things which exactly. rightfully so those things are are terrible you know whether it's cancer or heart disease like those are very important things as well yes and then one could argue that maybe some of those things there there may be some prevention or still some ways to avoid certain types of those diseases uh, or it's but, more rare or whatever yeah yeah, yeah. And and some of these other things like like you're mentioning with Lyme, like it just or lupus, like for example, I mentioned that um, it's a low chance for males to get it. One of uh, my good friends in Nashville, her dad has it, and it's it's been really bad for him. But like I never would have like lupus would have never been on my radar until yeah. you know I was tested for it, and it's just so so interesting all the things you learn whenever you're personally going through something <laughs> right right and how much they still don't know you know i mean i the fact that i have a lesion on my brain i've been healthy my entire life that i know of you know mm. um and and they don't know why <laughs> like what do you mean you don't know why like <laughs> does that drive you crazy why. yeah um no i mean no I think overall, I just want to feel better. Like, I don't really care what it is. Um, You've made peace with it somehow. Yeah. Yeah. But I I do think like I have, you know, this started in December and by April, I went to go see that Lyme doctor and I started on three weeks of antibiotics treatment and, and some like immediately after I got off that, I felt pretty much normal again. It's not like, like I didn't have to go like, that was a long time. That was a really hard time. Sure. But I was able to see like a little bit of progress here and there and um, and then to feel better by, you know, June. Like I went, I went on a vacation in June and felt pretty good. So yeah, I good. feel lucky, you know, I mean, you never know what could happen and what still may be going on, but mm-hmm. um, it puts things in perspective and I'm super grateful for uh, the improvement yeah. that I've seen. So. Good. Yeah. That's great. Well, you look good. So Thanks. something's something's working. And I, and I know you, it sounded like you had a scare a couple of weeks ago. And, and after what you just described to me, yeah, I, I don't even, I still don't even know the depths of what you've gone through with this stuff. And it's like, you've, you've said enough. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, it's just so weird, you know, because it's like one minute you think you, you are really healthy, you know, like 
I talk to people too, where they'll say that, you know, you just like live life. Like you're really healthy because you haven't gone to the doctor and nothing's really wrong. Mm -hmm. So you don't really know what's happening under the surface or like what could happen at any time. Cause I just certainly never would have thought. And like, even going through like medical history and stuff, like I don't have uh, like no one in my family has ever had multiple sclerosis or anything like that. Um, Mm -hmm. But you just never know. So yeah, glad to be here and, and walking around and feeling good. Yeah. So I did want to touch base on this. Um, wait, you're you're originally from Evansville, right? Yep. Like born and raised? Mm-hmm. Are you a West Sider? Absolutely not. Okay. We're we're <laughs> I, for some reason I just thought like you went to, to school on the West Side. I, I know no. nothing about you really, other yeah. than the few interactions that we had when we were neighbors. But yeah, well, like born and raised in Evansville. Yeah, I went to North High School, so I was kind of on the north side. North, gotcha. Okay, cool. Yep. Um, yeah. And went to uh, IU my freshman year of college, mm-hmm. and I uh, was majoring in sport marketing and management. So when I came back here for the summer, I interned for the Evansville Otters, and I was like the on-field promotions person. Okay. So, I would like run out in between innings and like do stuff with the kids or whatever. Gotcha. Shoot the, the microphone. I was not microphone. No, at that point, okay. I hadn't got into that. So I had one game where I had to run out to second base with like this big. I know I had a mailbox too, but I feel like this was like this ginormous <laughs> cardboard thing that I had to like drag from the outfield yeah. out there. And I I locked eyes with the shortstop. And it was like, love at first sight stuff. Um, he asked me out on a baseball. We started dating and he was from Phoenix, Arizona. So I ended up coming back to USI partially because of that, partially because I realized in that internship, I really did not want to do sport marketing and management. (laughs) Right. I also found out I was going to be paying for my own college around that time, which mm. my parents were able to help me a little bit more my first year. So I was like, you know what? Let's just come back to USI. It's a little cheaper. Yeah. A little easier to manage a long distance relationship. And so I did that for a year. My junior year, I moved out to Phoenix and uh, was there for just under a year. We broke up. It didn't work out. And I moved back. And that's when I was like, what am I doing with my life? Mm. And uh, radio and television, that major at USI just like popped off a page. I never thought about it before, had never, you know, I never listened to the radio as a kid and thought, oh, I want to be on the radio. Yeah. Looking back, there are a lot of pictures of me holding things as microphones or holding toy microphones. Or like in middle school, I hosted our morning news that we did. But yeah, so I, I started down that road. I graduated all together with transferring three times. Uh, I guess technically like four times, but three different schools. Nice. I graduated in four and a half years. <laughs> nice. And then started in radio here after that. Yeah. And I'm trying to remember the radio professor, one of the professors at USI is like Dave something. Did Do you know who I'm talking about? Yeah, Dave Black. Yes. I remember that guy. I was a student yeah. worker in the college of liberal arts and he'd always pop in and like, we just talk for like five minutes straight. He was so fun. (laughs) Yeah. He's a nice guy. His wife runs youth first, uh, great nonprofit here in Evansville. So I've gotten to work a lot with them over the years. 
And so I've seen Dave a couple times, like at mm. those events, which has always been kind of funny. Yeah. So you you graduate USI. Like, how does Vegas happen? Yeah. Uh, so I I had been interning at Hot ninety six before I graduated, and so it I just I walked into a lot of open doors, like right right place, right time kind of thing with that. And I was right there when they were looking to hire someone uh, to do the night show Hmm. full time. So right before I graduated, it was like three months before I graduated, I got on full time doing nights. It was like six to 10 PM. Um, I was awful. Like when I listened, like how, why would they put anyone this bad on the air? But like, I didn't know what I was doing. They just throw you out there. You figure it out. Yeah. And I did that for three years. And then uh, the plan really for me was I always wanted to get out of Evansville. Like I never thought I would live here. Hmm. It wasn't really because I hated Evansville. It was just like, I wanted to be in a bigger city. So, sure. you know, radio was like a great way to travel around and, and move. Cause you move a lot of times. And so I, I yeah, I had been like actively looking once I kind of got my feet on the ground to get out. And, um, the, the girl that was doing mornings at the time at 96, who was like my mentor and got me into 96. and like, really, you know, she's the sole reason why I got into radio and like had a career. She knew someone in Las Vegas that was looking and connected us and they hired me. Nice. So that's uh, cool. How old were you? Um, that was 2013. Okay. So what? 26 ish. I'm bad it's at math. Okay. I don't remember. <laughs> it's all right. Yeah. yeah. I'm 33 now. So I was there from 2013 to 2015. Okay. Okay. So like a decent stint. Yeah. Enough time to, to really, you know, get your feet wet and figure out how you feel about an area. Yeah. I learned you... a lot. I liked Vegas a lot. It's a beautiful city. Yeah. Yeah. And um, it's kind of like a small town in a lot of ways. Like a lot of people know one another and, uh, they're very community oriented. They do like a lot of give backs and a lot of charity work. And so it's plus like, you've got the best food at your fingertips, the best mm. performers, like the best entertainment anytime you want it. And then you can get away from that very easily too. Okay. How so? Mountains. Just like, if you don't live on the strip, you're not there, <laughs> you know, okay. unless you want to be. So sure. that's kind of what everyone pictures as Las Vegas is just that is the strip. Right. Um, but it's like a normal town away from that. Hmm. So I think I lived like 10 minutes away from, from there. That's awesome. And you found good people while you were there. Yeah. Yeah, I did that. I still keep in touch with today. Good. Yeah. So it was a good experience. So it was like, I hated the job. I should say that I hated, yeah, I learned a lot. I got great experience. I don't regret it, but it was a terrible work environment, which is why I wasn't there longer. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, and also why I came back to Evansville, but okay. it was still, um, I'm, I met some great people. Good. Yeah. Like I, I would assume like what you're saying, Las Vegas has kind of that Broadway effect where, you know, you think of like the staple things that represent that area, but then you don't realize that like when it says it's a population of, I don't know how big it is, like 5 million or whatever, there are 5 million people that live in that area that do right. not have anything to do with like that one little sliver of town. Exactly. And it's kind of like here in Nashville, like everyone thinks of 
Broadway because we have our little own Broadway here. And, you know, that's where like the touristy rednecks go for their bachelorette parties for when they're marrying their cousin. So, you know, it's just, (laughs) (laughs) but it's pretty bad. But yeah, like you think about the area that I'm in, I'm in South Nashville and it feels completely different. Like I am two minutes away from the largest Latin slash Hispanic area of town. Yeah. I didn't even know that existed until the last few years, but it's like a huge population. And I get it. You think music city, country music, the end, but like right. there's so much more. And, and someone that I was hanging out with this weekend put it perfectly. It's like, there's more here. You just have to go look for it. Yeah. And it sounds like that was the same in Las Vegas. Like there was more to it yes. than just the lights and glitz and glamour. You just have to go look for it. Yeah. Yeah, I think um, it is still kind of a hard city. And I don't know what it's like in Nashville with so many people move there. Like there are so many transplants, Hmm. but that definitely makes Vegas unique. Like a lot of people move there that are not from there. A lot of dreamers and artists. um, I don't want to say no to that, but I think like it's mostly like service industry. Uh, okay. I mean, yeah, definitely like performers too. Okay. Yeah. Slightly different than, than Nashville. I'm sure in that respect. Yeah. Yeah. Because like Nashville is, you know, kind of similar to LA where it's just like, you you can tell when someone's new to town and yeah. they're on the stage and it's like, okay, like got a lot of heart kid. <laughs> <laughs> and that's why they're there. You know, like they moved yeah. to Nashville for a career, like yeah. to, to see something take off. Um, but yeah, for like, if you're a singer songwriter or whatever, whereas Vegas, I don't, I don't think that would be where you would, where you would go. Sure. Right. Yeah. I've never been. So it's still kind of a mystery to me outside of watching Ocean's Eleven. Like (laughs) I've memorized pretty much that whole movie, but yeah, I've never hung out there. I would love to go and just check it out and yeah see what it's about. And yeah, I, you know, two to three days is, is enough. Enough. It's, it's good. Yeah. I mean, like there's some great, um, outdoor like hiking and attractions around there, but to be on the strip, you really only need like two days. <laughs> need, oh my gosh. I, and just plan to stay up really late and like yeah. make the most out of it. Yeah. So many characters, I bet. Yeah. But you don't need to be there for five days. <laughs> yeah. So who who was a fun, surprising, I don't know, like interview or someone that you had to meet doing radio in Las Vegas? The very first person that I met, so it was like my first day on the job and I was working for a country station. And so I'm like downstairs in our studio and there's like different stations, you know, like we're all next door and we had a comedy station hmm. and Gallagher was the very first person that I met and literally interviewed. I don't think that I ever did anything with that interview because I had never interviewed anyone in my life at that point and had no idea how to even put that on the radio and like, how long should that be on the radio? And like, why am I talking to Gallagher on a country station? There was so many things about it that didn't make any sense. It was like, welcome to your first day in Vegas. Um, And shortly after that, I met Joe Coy and I actually loved him. He was on Chelsea Lately as a comedian. He, um, they're actually dating now. Oh, okay. Chelsea Handler. 
And he's literally the nicest guy, super funny, but that was a horrible first interview too. Again, I had no idea what I was doing. So it was just like, and interviewing comedians is really hard. I think anyway, because it's like, they don't want to talk to you and (laughs) you're, you're trying to get them to say something funny and they know that. And like, sometimes they want to, and sometimes they don't, I don't know. Yeah. I interviewed a lot of comedians. So, okay. And probably don't want to give away too much material before the show. Yeah, exactly. And like, I don't know what to ask them. Like, what do you ask a comedian? Hmm. They're trying to promote their show, but it's not like where you're going to like ask them about, I guess you could ask them about their personal life. I don't know. Anyway. Yeah. No. So like if it's a musician, you would ask them about like whatever record they just put out or, yeah, you know, actor, actress, what movie. Yeah. Yes. I, I see what you're saying. Right. That would be but interesting. I'm not going to be like, tell me about this joke. Like what? <laughs> <laughs> so I mean, you could maybe. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> I did a phone interview with Roseanne. Oh my god! Like, how was that? She was super nice to me. That's amazing. So I don't remember much else besides that. I told her I was from Evansville. Did where... she even know? Yeah. yeah, she did. She was like, cool. "That's cool." I don't, I don't remember if she was like really blown away, but she was really nice about it. Yeah. Um, You're like, your house on the show. It's over <laughs> by the university. I know exactly where it is. <laughs> I know. Um, I talked to Garth Brooks on the phone. I interviewed him on the phone. That was, that was my first, I think, one of my first country artist interviews. Rascal Flatts was the first one I interviewed in person in the studio. Mm. And like all three of the guys were like standing across from me and like, I'm in this chair. They're like standing up, but they were, they were super nice and funny and that went well. And yeah, I mean, I met Sierra and Steve Aoki caked me, like took a whole cake to my face. That's amazing. Yeah, that guy. Cake in my nose and like everywhere for days. His movie that he put out something like don't sleep till you're dead. Um, that is so inspiring. Like that guy's story. So cool. Like I never thought I would be into Steve Aoki, like, but we have similar backgrounds in punk rock, which I never would have known. But yeah, that that's like, anytime I see you post that photo on Instagram, I'm just kind of like so jealous because I'm sure it's gross to get all the cake out of your nose, but at the same time, it's like, really? (laughs) It like slams it in your face. It's not like a nice soft push. Oh, it's like yeah. literally he, you, when you get caked by Steve Aoki, it, it's like kind of hurts. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> but it's awesome. Like it was amazing. And he, he was really, really nice, but I'll have to yeah. watch that. Yeah. It's great. Um, I, I probably fucked up the title, but like it's, it's on Netflix. If you just type in Steve Aoki and yeah. his dad was the founder of Benihana, the restaurants and was oh, wow. this really extravagant personality. And Steve really gets open about how he's tried to live up to his father's persona and expectations. And I guess he, he also lost his dad sooner than he had, he had hoped for, you know? And so there was just a lot of that in the story and, you know, I've not, well, that's, that's, that's a different topic, but I was about to say, I've not personally lost my father but I've had an emotionally distant father and yeah. in some ways he's, he had that as well. Yeah. Um, 
all I'll say is like it's it's a great story. I'm really proud of of him for being as vulnerable and as open as he is about where he is in his life. Like it's it's totally cool. That's awesome. Yeah. So you you get to a point with with Vegas and I mean, I get it, like industry towns, they're rough. They're, you know, we just mentioned like the kid who moves to town who's like, you know, you, you're seeing that they're wearing their heart on their sleeves and they're yeah. just so excited and fresh. It wears out after a while. And mm-hmm. for you, was there a need to return home or was there like a, this isn't so bad after all kind of moment or, or what happened there? Um, I got fired in Vegas. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's something like I don't normally talk about, but like, I'm not shy about that at all. Like, yeah. Uh, I, from the time I got there, I was like, I think I made a mistake. Um, the company is a great, is a, is a good company, I think. Um, and like, I would go to work for them in the right situation, but it, it, this was not a market that I was going to succeed in. Hmm. Like at the time, just, just the way it was set up and the stations that they had and, it just, it was not, it was not the right place, right time for me. Like I said, I learned so much being there because I ended up being on air on multiple stations. I became an assistant program director and music director. So I was like scheduling music. I was meeting with record reps. I was doing those interviews, all those things. It was great, but I was working a ton of hours and it was just a really toxic environment. Like the Mm. people that I was working with for and around it was not a good fit. So, uh, I mean, there was a, there was definitely a point where I was like, I need to find something else, but it was really hard for me because I had only been in Evansville prior to that. And Evansville kind of doesn't count. Like I hadn't, I didn't make any connections really with the rate with people in the radio industry until I got to Vegas. Okay. So it wasn't enough time for me to just reach out to a friend and have a good job lead. Hmm. So anyway, I kept like waiting and waiting and, and then they, they did it. Well, I knew it was coming. Like one of us, yeah. they, they were going to fire me or I was going to quit. And it was probably good that they fired me because I got my severance package and <laughs> nice. I got to take my time and I went yeah. and I interviewed at radio Disney in LA and that was cool, but not okay. a good fit. And then I looked into a couple of other openings, you know, like there was kind of the same gig in Orlando at the time that I didn't actually interview for, but that I, I was curious about, but then I was like, no, I don't want to, I really didn't want to do the exact same thing. Hmm. Basically what I learned in Vegas was that the reason that I got into radio was to connect with people. And I wasn't really getting to do that when I was on air middays, afternoons, I wasn't doing nights out there, but same thing. And then doing a lot of behind the scenes work, you know, you're you're voice tracking recording a lot of shows ahead of time. You're meeting with people. So you're just not having that connection with listeners. And that's when I was like, okay, if I'm going to stay in radio, I've got to get into morning drive. Hmm. And so I started rolling that around and it's like, okay, I can go to a a city that I don't want to live in like a small town somewhere like, um, Reno, Nevada or something, uh, which no offense to Reno. I'm sure it's great. I just didn't want to live there. And, and then sit across from and be, be the co-host to some 
douchey guy. Mm. Um, I, when I've always hosted my own show, I'm good enough to host my own show and every other day part, just like men are. And it was like, I want to host, I want to host a morning show. Yeah. Um, but nobody's just going to hire you to when, when you're a woman, when you're a man, they, you go through, do nights, you do middays, you do afternoons. And then at a certain point you apply for a morning show gig and you get it. Hmm. For women, it doesn't work like that. You've got to know somebody. You've got to be uh, deeply connected to that city, or or you've got to get really lucky. Wow. Um, so, why is that? Is it? And you're already. <laughs> I mean, that? the patriarchy. That's the big answer, right? It, the, yeah. the longer ish answer is that for so long, there were only men in radio. It's a, it's a definitely a male dominated industry, like so many other things. Hmm. And there was data. I mean, think back to just how different things were 30, 40, 50 years ago. There was data that said that women didn't like listening to other women. And that stuff has like stuck around, even though it was like false data. Yeah. Like shitty data. As it, I'd say, where did that come from? <laughs> I mean, I'm trying to think of like shows that were examples, but when you think about it, if they put a woman on a show, she was on probably with two men and she was like the laugh track, the dumb blonde, the, and so women listening didn't connect to that. And so then when they surveyed and asked women, Hey, do you like so-and-so on the show? It was like, no. Yeah. That's as much as I know about it. Sure. So we're seeing that change. I mean, there are more women in, in radio now than ever. And I think more, even though it's still a really small number, more women hosting morning shows than ever now. Mm -hmm. So uh, it is still a very small number, but I was, I'm really proud to have been one of them, even if it was just in Evansville, Indiana, which is a really small market that's often overlooked. Yeah. Yeah. It was like, I had this, this moment when I was job searching where I was like, aha, I want to host a morning show. Who's going to let me do that? My hometown. If I'm ever, mm -hmm. if I'm going to get that opportunity, it's going to be in my hometown. So they had an opening here, back here at Hot 96, the station that I had started at, intern, done nights at for afternoons and assistant program director. So like assistant manager kind of, um, oh, cool. which I, that's exactly what I've been doing in Vegas. So it was like, cool, I'll take that. Yeah. And then within a year, the guy that was doing mornings at the time got a job offer in Indianapolis. He took it, he went, and I slid right in. Hmm. Good for you. Yeah. On it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it worked out really well. You know, because yeah. you could have stayed here for five or more years. Yeah. And that opportunity wouldn't have ever been open to me. But yeah. And man, I don't know if it's because I was homeschooled or what. But when I hear stories like this of how so many industries are harder on women, like it blows my mind every time. Like, yeah. I don't care what year it is. Like it's blown, been blowing my mind for like some years when I hear like, like what you just said, how, you know, it was male dominated for so long. And then they like sent out one little stat and it's like, okay, well, here's like the proof we need. We're why change? Yeah. Like, and I was already going to ask you if it was an industry that's hard for females to work in. And you, <laughs> you, yes. you already gave me my answer. So it's like, yep. I, I just, I never would have known. But the tough part too about like patriarchal culture at large is that women are a part of it, right? Like we grow up in it. And so 
when you're a woman in a male dominated industry, you aren't only at odds with uh, the men that you work for and with, but also a lot of times with the women. Mm. Uh, Because for one, we're not used to seeing women in a leadership role a lot. And we're kind of pitted against one another to compete because there aren't very many of us. So there are a number of reasons why radio to me can be a very toxic environment. Mm-hmm. Um, that's one of them. Okay. So with that in mind, how can I, as a cisgender straight male in the society, how, how can I make that experience better for my female coworkers, friends, artists, whatever, like what, what can I do? I wish I had a great answer for that. There are so many times when I'm like, man, I wish I was an expert at something, you know, <laughs> like, yeah. um, well, like, you know, and I want to have my own podcast and stuff, but the truth is like, I I'm interested in a lot of things. I've learned a lot of things, but I'm not, I'm not an expert. Yeah. I, I don't have like a direct answer for that. I will say that when I got into the morning show role, it was very difficult for me to find the right people to be on the show with me. Hmm. And one of the the people that was like, became officially my co-host and had been with me the longest was Cooper. And he was younger than me and out of college and things like that. But he's just a, a guy who respected me. Hmm. And, And like, as, as like, a mentor as someone who'd been in this business a lot longer than him. Um, but also just like as a woman, like he just respected me. So it was like, he was fine not being the star of the show. If he wasn't the star of the show. Yeah. It was very difficult to find a man who would be willing to not be the lead. Yeah. And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that. I think we're all, we all have different personalities. So like some are, are fit for different things, but Sure. So he was, and he was just always really supportive, you know, but but there were also times too, where I think like men have got to start being more understanding and like seeing for themselves, the differences in how we're treated. Hmm. There would be times where I would have like some drama with coworkers that he would never have. And I think the only thing that, that is helpful in that situation is like when you do have a male friend or ally, like who at least gets it. Yeah. Like who can see it for what it is and and not like blow it off. Yeah. Cause, cause that's what it is. Right? It's always blown off. It's like, Oh, that's not actually true or, but it is, but it is. And, and you don't realize it even as a woman until you experience it. Like I know women that don't it, women in Evansville that like, maybe they don't work in male dominated fields. That's, that's usually what I find, Mm -hmm. but like they haven't experienced that. So like, they don't, they don't know, Mm -hmm. you know, because like we all, we all, like I said, we all grow up in this, this culture with all of it around us. So sometimes when it's, when it's not like directly negatively affecting you, it's hard to see. Yeah. Yeah. But then, then on the other side of it, you know, you have scares like everything that just went down in Texas with passing laws, I would assume if I were in your shoes and you can correct me where I go wrong here, I would assume that 
you you just have to think if it happens in one state, yeah. it can happen in mine. Yep. And you know, I saw you out there. I saw the the pumpkin spice and 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 rights shirt that you're wearing. And Reproductive rights. Yeah. 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 That was that was <laughs> awesome. You know, and it's like again, I just have to assume that like you you could feel that you know your your life could change overnight with something like that. And then also yeah. it's like, well, you know, this is my words, but like, well, fuck that. I still want to stand up for those people in Texas because like they don't deserve that. Yeah. But I would just assume that when you're living in a world that like industry-wise is hard on you and then you think politically, yeah. it's also working against you. That's that's a lot. Yeah. And you know, like to your to your question, thinking about that rally in particular, I mean, obviously we're in Evansville. So uh it's it was not a huge rally. It was a, it was a, it was a good showing, but um mm-hmm. there weren't a lot of men there. And like, when I looked across like my Instagram story, right. Because, um, I don't know about you, but I, I do tailor my social media experience, mostly to people that believe similar to me just so that I can have a good, good experience. Hmm. Um, a lot of of women, right. Resharing, posting about this, talking about this, no dudes, none of the guys Hmm. that I follow are like sharing. And I'm not saying that that's like makes a different, some kind of like tangible difference, but why aren't we seeing that support from men? Like, cause it does affect them too. And even if it didn't like, it would just be nice to see that support. So um, like it matters, it really does matter. And that, that, that's an issue that I feel like men feel like, even if they agree that they can sit out on and there are always going to be issues that just dependent on everybody's personality, right. That you may not feel called to like publicly talk about even whether you agree or or whatever, but sure. I think like seeing, we need to see more men care and we need to see more men talk about those things. Mm -hmm. So showing up to have the conversation, showing up to the event to at least say like, I may not understand it, but I'm here because you're here. Yeah. Yes. (laughs) Like, yeah, man, I, I feel like I'm going to be saying this for like the first year of doing this podcast, but it's like when I hear these things, I just envision not only the friend or the person I know who's experiencing it, but everyone who is behind you experiencing it. And that's just so overwhelming to know that like so many people are going through issues like this or or so many women or, um, you know, so many other people who who may look or feel different about who they are as a person, yeah, are experiencing microaggressions that really mount up. And I don't know, just it's it's just a bummer. It's a bummer. And I'm sorry. And if I've added to it, if I have, <laughs> you know, contributed to it with whatever uh, wherever I've been in in my life, like I I definitely want to be on the other side of things when we look back in history. Cause it's like, yeah, same. you know, like, uh, have you ever seen the Tom Hanks docu-series uh, called the sixties? No. Okay. So he did this docu-series, I think CNN produced it. It's like beautifully done. And then of course, Tom Hanks is like behind the scenes, like curating everything where it starts is in the sixties and and they do it by the decade. So like every season is a new decade and he starts with the lens of like looking 
um, through the lens of, of TV and how it changed the world and how people received news. But there were so many things that he touches on in the 60s era that I never knew about. For example, that during the Vietnam War, there was a Mothers Against War march. I think it was, was what it was. And it's like this, this massive women's march of mothers going to the Capitol and, and peacefully protesting like, hey, like get our sons out of this ridiculous war. Yeah. And next to each other, you know, that there were, um, you know, women of all different shapes, sizes, and colors like standing next to each other. And I'm like, where was this in my history book? Yeah. Like, why didn't we talk about that growing up? And, and I was having this conversation with my mom who remembers those things going down when she was a kid. And I'm like, you know, we talk about so many um, positive things from different eras, you know, and, and maybe in that era, it was, we, we want to focus more on things that, that either we can control or that entertain us like the moon landing. But a good thing that happened was that women's march. We should celebrate that because it's like, they're still standing up for the right thing and helped preserve or we're attempting to preserve lives. Yeah. And so, yeah, like that blew my mind. I highly encourage watching that as well. I'm just going to be throwing yeah. out recommendations all day. Great. So. I love to watch shows. <laughs> <laughs> so. Yeah, I, I agree. I think um, like we're, none of us are perfect, right? And there's so much information out there to take in and so many different things to fight for to make things better. Yeah. For all of us. Um, and, and you just can't like do them all, but like, I, I want to be on the right side of, side of things. And mm -hmm. like you look back and sometimes I think about like just when the women's rights movement and like, you know, that for every woman that was like, Hey, we should be able to vote. There were a lot of other women who were like, no, we shouldn't. Mm -hmm. Husbands know best men know best. And that, that was like the language. And that's what people thought. I never want to be that woman. Like, yeah. I, I never want to be the one that is holding us back. Yeah. Or anyone else. Sure. Yeah. And I think sometimes I have to, you know, like it's really exciting to talk about in this setting, right? You know, like, oh my gosh. But like, when I really sit back and think about like that person that you, you just said, you know, that there were people who were coming to that issue saying like, no, we shouldn't. Or how, like, I have no idea also the bajillion reasons why they might be feeling like they can't or shouldn't. And, you know, it's, it's in the same way that like, I guess, when I think of just victims in general, you know, maybe some victims are not um, ready to talk about domestic abuse or domestic right. violence. And you know, similar issues. And it's like, it, it, I guess it's still for me, just a symptom of the much bigger issue. And I, I have to, you know, step back and just be like, okay, like there's something that's driving that person to, to feel that way. Overall, I think it's still the bigger issue. Yeah. yeah. You know, but yeah. One of the cool things that I did when I, I saw my therapist was we uh, talked about the big five and I've talked about this a lot because it was really eye opening for me, but it's just, um, it's just like one personality index. And it's one that I think therapists tend to gravitate towards. It works for people and it also works for cities. 
kind of mm. because the people in the cities, you know, tend to to create like kind of a personality of its own. Um, they're the people that live there, right? So yeah. like this big five, it's um, measures you on openness, conscientiousness, extroversion, agreeableness, and neuroticism. And it's a scale, right? And you fall high or low or in the middle. Okay. And um, I fall really high in openness. When I was talking about this with my therapist, um, I would say, or he would say that Evansville, right. And, and probably Nashville, I'm guessing like this area of the country, probably mm-hmm. score low in openness. Hmm. There's a big value in tradition. Yeah. So like they're like, we cling to tradition and the way things have been more than we are like, Oh, that's new and shiny. <laughs> um, <laughs> And so that plays out in the way that we view the world and Mm. politics and things like that too. So if you are someone that scores really high in openness and you're living in a city that scores low in openness, they can feel like kind of a bummer. Yeah. Um, How are you doing navigating through that with that little bit of knowledge? (laughs) Yeah. I mean, don't, I don't know how, I I don't know what it's like in Nashville. Um, I'm sure there are great pockets where you fit in you find your people. Yeah. Yeah. I don't got that here. Yeah. I would assume yeah. the the mutual friends that we have and, and yes. the people that I would associate with Claire Ballard, like you have found. Yep. I've got my quote people. unquote community or, or yeah. however you want to call we, it. We vote the same. Like I found people that like, we feel the same on a, or mostly the same, you know, on a lot of issues that are important to me. Sure. Um, but like, would I feel better in Seattle? Probably. <laughs> or like New York or LA, like yes, I yeah. definitely would. Yeah. Um, would I feel, you know, maybe not as good in in certain parts of Texas, hmm. or you know, other super red states? Like, yeah. So I mean, that's just, and not say I'm not saying that openness always translates to liberal beliefs. You know, mm-hmm. but like I would just say, like in general, you could say that that's probably standard. Yeah. I mean, you want to be able to have a conversation. You want to be able to maybe be in a community or sitting at a bar where people... And I think it's... you know, In America, it's so cut dry down the middle. You're either left or right. You're blue or red, or it's black and white. You know, it's like to find those gray area conversations is so important. And to not make enemies with anyone. First of all, it's like probably one of the best things that I have learned from my mother to just like approach a conversation. Yeah. Not making an enemy to at Mm -hmm. least seeking to understand where they're coming from. And I think about some of the people that I still interact with here in Nashville, like we may not politically vote the same um, or thinking about certain neighbors who are coming you know, they're, they're older, they're coming from a different time. There are still things that that person has to offer me that I need to hear. I like, I've been thinking about going back to the Vietnam thing. Like we're now entering a time where certain veterans are going to be no more. Like, so all the world war II veterans are passing away and we're no longer going to have this like, face-to-face interaction with a person who lived that experience. 
And you can kind of feel it that like the next in line would be kind of that Vietnam War in, in the 60s kind of generation. And I think it's so important to be able to engage with those people as best as you can. And obviously draw the boundaries that you need to draw and, and make peace yeah. with that. Yeah. But, anyway. you know, like it's it's just one of those things where it's like, I, I want to be able to pull from them because they've seen political structures and times and, and things that I haven't seen. Yes. They've lived in a time where they went into their 40s and 50s still without a space phone, you know? <laughs> right, right. And it's like, what's that like, you know? It's really difficult to find... Um, I think it's it's easy to find individuals that aren't super judgy one way or the other. It's It's definitely harder to find groups of people. And when you can find that or can find that in... Um, maybe someone's home, you know, and maybe you have mutual friends that come in and out of that home. For me, I had that experience 10, 15 years ago in Evansville. My best friend's home was a very open home and we would have these discussions and we would challenge each other and we would sometimes walk away disagreeing hardcore. And, but then it's like their home was based on love and respect and friendship. And so everyone always came back and it, those are the same people that I'm texting when I'm sitting in a bar, still in a pandemic, but like masked up in a bar, just kind of like, all right, I'm making it out for the first time. <laughs> like, oh, I'm going to message <laughs> this in. person. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. How are you That's doing awesome. in Denver? <laughs> yeah. 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 And I think like definitely having friends that have different views are important. And you can absolutely exist in a city that maybe um, collectively thinks differently mm -hmm. than you. It's all give and take. Yeah. You know, pros and, pros and cons. Yeah. And, you know, have you always been involved in community-driven things as well? Because I've... Or is that maybe just something that I picked up from when you were in the radio world? Like, it seems like you're somewhat in tune and touch with things like, you know, you went to that rally. Yeah, I think a lot of it is radio. Like, a lot of it was... I was involved and knew, knew so many people because of that. Yeah. And then now it's like, I still know all those people and I'm, I'm still like plugged in. Sure. Um, but I definitely am like interested to see, cause it's, only, it's been like a month, a little over a month Yeah. Um, since I've been out of it. And it's like, what is Claire 2.0? Like, like <laughs> do I want to go to those things more? Like sometimes yeah. I find myself being a lot more social and like wanting to go to events and like, uh, be, be more out and about because I have more energy. I've slept. I'm, and I'm not like required to be there. Mm -hmm. Um, but also like, I really am liking the fact that, yeah, like I don't, I don't have to go to anything. I don't, I can, mm. I can stay home as much as I want <laughs> yeah. or be as involved in the community as I want to be. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. I, I know that when the pandemic started, like in feeling Nashville slowdown, like it, it was a good thing. Like I've, I have a picture of me sitting at one of the last shows that I went to in 2019. And I took like a, a group selfie and I just look I don't look good. I, yeah. Like I, my eyes look dark and tired. I was working my day job plus 
doing studio stuff and trying to network to do make the music thing happen and in and for me making music happen is like just working in studios like i'm not trying to be on a stage but then you know also to make extra income was was doing some live sound work and it just kind of got to a point where it was just like what am i doing yeah. like it, i don't see anyone ever <laughs> and you know as terrible as the pandemic has been it's some of the one of the better things that has come out of it for me was just slowing down and having my time and saying like, no, 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 like I get to choose what I'm going to do tonight. And when I make a decision or say yes to something, like I feel it. It's like, you know, you just committed to that. Like <laughs> you have to caffeinate now. <laughs> like, <laughs> right. You know, yes. if, if you're going out on a, on a Friday or Saturday, it's like, you better have a little bit of caffeine around three or four o'clock. You, you you're up. not going to back out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so do you like Nashville? Do you like living there? It's good. It's a, it's been a good experience for me overall. I think my way into Nashville was very interesting and personal and unique, but I have made peace with it. And yeah, kind of going back to what I said earlier, it's like, you know, there's variety and, and diversity here. You just have to go look for it. You know, like literally, I could drive, get in my car and drive two minutes, and you would see everything. The entire strip is in Spanish. Like yeah. there's more Spanish than there is English. And that's for miles, not just like a little tiny, like, you know, in front of one mall. Like it is like a massive long road. Of everything's in Spanish, um, yeah. so there's that, and then you know, Isn't like amazing. Oh, okay, yeah. yes, and I, <laughs> I, I've definitely partook in in discovering different food trucks, and and also like drawing the limit, of being like, okay, I found what I like. <laughs> uh, yes. I don't have to gorge over every single thing that I see, um, and especially my either my Mexican or, or Latin friends will let me know, like, hey man, like I wouldn't eat that. So I'm not going to like push that on you. So like, if I think it's good, like I'll let you know. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's nice. So, yeah, that's always nice to have. He's testing it out for you. Yeah, yeah, the food's good. I mean, it's different. It's changing. It really is. And it, it, I think everyone's kind of getting tired of saying that, but it's there's so many people still moving here. It never really slowed down during the pandemic. Yeah. Um, you know, live shows did, studio work did, but as far as like people going out and tourists coming into town, that barely slowed down. It's it's a good town. I think that I just have to, as long as I have peace with like the personal side of it for me, like I'm all right. And yeah. moving here in that first year um, was just one of the most wild years of my life in. <laughs> It's one of those things where, like, sometimes pressure makes diamonds. And it's like when you're put under immense pressure, you you really do find out who you are. And you do not owe anyone an explanation of how you feel, what you're going through, um, what you're discovering. Like, that is between you and you alone. And when you decide to share that with other people, like that's on you. Yeah. <laughs> and I feel like 
for me, like kind of getting away from a town where I, I knew everyone and and that has so many pros and so many blessings. Like some of my best friends in the whole world still like a text and they live down the block from you. I guarantee it. Yeah. You know, but then there's another side of it where sometimes everyone knows your shit before you do. And to it could be the same feeling in radio. It's like once you kind of have some space and have your time, you feel so much better and you can breathe like your shoulders just kind of loosen up and you can just breathe that much better. Yeah. Um, so whatever that is for you, like, you know, I, I'm happy. I was stoked when you, when you announced that you were leaving radio, it caught me off guard. I was like, what? Like serious? Like yeah. but she's, she's that person. But at the same time, it was like, you know what? Like, there's a reason why. There's always yeah. a reason why. And it, to already hear that you feel as good as that you do these first few weeks out is yeah. awesome. And like, grateful to hear that you're also doing therapy. Very proud of you for doing that. And that's yes. amazing. But yeah, just long, long answer. Like, it's been good. Yeah. Uh, do you remember how we met? I don't. Okay. You're, you may or may not remember this. Um, so we used to be, I guess, kind of neighbors because I lived on Southeast First yeah. Street before moving to Nashville. And you would walk um, your beagle down the street. Um, I'm so sorry. I'm spacing. I know Blue. And then Shay was her name. It's okay. Shay. Yeah. yeah. You would walk Shay. And I was walking to my car and I was walking to my car and there was this couple that was walking. They went one direction past my house on Southeast first. And they were like talking, whatever. Five minutes later, I'm like running back and forth, trying to put stuff in my car and leave my house. They walk in the opposite direction. And she's like five, 10 feet in front of him. And they look pissed. Like they got into it. And then you and Shay walk. I think you, you like follow them somehow. Everyone rounds a corner and I'm leaving in my car. And when I round the corner, you and Shay are walking, I think, in the street. And this couple is on the sidewalk and he is standing over her, berating her. Oh. Just like going to town. And and I don't know, like I had that spidey sense of like, that was really weird. That couple seems like they're into it. And like when you when you live in certain areas, it's like, you know, the crazy things can happen. Yep. But I'm not even kidding. I round the corner through the the open window, I just hear you go, Hey, are you okay? Like, and you're talking to the girl and then he like looks at you and he was just like, stay the fuck out of it. And he, he was just like, uh, uh-uh. and like, you just like focused on her is what I remember. And you just like, you asked her, like, you just ignored the guy and you're like, Hey, are you okay? Is he like, is he treating you okay? Or something like that. Yeah. And then I pulled over to the side of the street. Cause I was just like, well, shit, like, what if this dude goes crazy on two people? <laughs> and, and so I just like pulled over and sat in the car to, to let it all die down. And like, he literally started walking towards my car and was just like, what the fuck? You know, <laughs> just like looking at me, like he was going to start a fight with me. <laughs> I was just like, you're like, I'm just sitting here in this car. Yeah. Like, okay. Yeah. Right. This, <laughs> and then she went one way. He went another, you and Shay went, another direction. And then the next time I, I saw you, I was like, Hey, you like, you saw that fight or whatever interrupted. And you were just like, you said something so 
normal, I feel like, like for you, but for me, it was like kind of um, earth shattering. You were just kind of like, well, like, yeah, like somebody had to say something, you know, or I'm just like, there's something so like calm. And I was just like, oh yeah. Like she's a good person. She's like, literally just (laughs) (laughs) like, I so easily get caught up in the drama of things. And you're just like, so just like to the point like, yeah, like, yeah, somebody had to say something. (laughs) Just like, all right, cool. So this story makes me sound really good. Thanks. Yeah, yeah you're you're welcome. This yeah. this will be the promo for the show. Yeah, perfect. Thank me you so much. Rattling off on this great yeah, detailed story. I, well, and like nothing came from that. You know, I don't I don't know what happened. I do kind of remember that, like not not really well. Um, it's funny because when you were saying that, I'm like, man, this this does this makes me sound like better than I am because like I'm, <laughs> I'm like, who am I? You know. Hmm. But um, I also have saved my next door neighbor's dogs from a fire. Oh, which like the fire wasn't bad, but I had no way of knowing it was in in an apartment complex. And I literally busted down the door. They weren't home. So the door was locked. His dogs were like, like the fire alarm was going off. I could smell the smoke. His, one of his dogs was like frantically barking right by the door. And I at five foot one, shouldered into the door and busted it open and saved his dogs and called 911. Which really just goes to show that the doors were not secure and we were not safe in there if I was able to bust through it. So yeah, like funny. And people were like, wow, that's so amazing. I was like, the dog was begging (laughs) for help. Who wouldn't do that? Yeah. uh, So you were a fighter in those situations. Like you don't freeze? I guess so. I guess so. Yeah. I That's don't know. cool. Yeah. Cause when the flood happened here in Nashville, that like my gut instinct was like, gotta move. Yeah. Like, what are we doing standing around? Like, here are the steps we need to take to get to safety. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And my dad's from Kentucky. And I always say that in those moments, also, there's a little jackass that comes out where I'm just kind of like, let's go. All right. <laughs> get the, everybody get the car. And just, yeah, I got family from Kentucky too. I get it. Oh man, yeah. What part of Kentucky are they from? Aunton. 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 What part? Do you know what part of the state that's in? Uh, it's like forty-five minutes from Evansville. Like oh, okay. you, between between the drive from like Henderson to Madisonville. I don't know somewhere out there. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Ask yeah. the Tyson Chicken Plant. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> keep, keep going away. <laughs> the Tyson chicken plant. I'm so glad yeah. you landmarked that because <laughs> I look like I, I have to always turn my AC off completely off when I drive for like oh my God. five miles every time I come home. Um, wow. All right. This is where we are. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so you're, you're, you've left radio and you're doing what now? I work for a digital marketing company here. Okay. So- I've, I've was thinking. I've thought about you know. I had the the toxic experience in Las Vegas. Uh-huh. I got back here. It was a difficult. It was a difficult road. You know, yeah. like um, hosting mornings was hard. Being a female morning lead was hard. Um, being a female in management was hard. And then all this stuff with my health happened. Then the pandemic happened, and that changed the way our show. Uh, it changed a lot about our show, and then. Then I got sick, mm. and 
I just like, I knew that I was ready to be done, but I thought, oh, a year from now, like I'll, I'll prepare. And like a year from now I'll walk away. And then it was like one day I went into the studio and I was like, no, like, I don't want to do it. I don't want to do it today. I don't want to do it any, like I can't. And so it was just, it was actually a huge blessing to have that clarity, like of, no, I'm a hundred percent done right now. Yeah. Um, As opposed to like, I think I'm done, but this is also really cool. I mean, I had been talking to my therapist, like I'm single. Um, I'm in my thirties. There, there are a few other reasons that maybe like Evansville isn't exactly where I want to be, but Mm. like, what am I going to do? Leave a show with my name on it that I've built for years and go work in an office in this another city. Like, yeah, no. (laughs) Um, so anyway, one day I was just like, no, really, I'm done. And around that time, a friend of mine who I met at the same apartment complex that I was talking about before that I saved the dogs was actually her boyfriend's dog, Small World. Oh, wow. Um, she started her own company a couple of years ago with a guy that she had worked for. Like she was there, did their marketing and they were hiring. And I had initially sent the job opening to Cooper because we had been talking, like he knew I was going to leave. He had been kind of wanting to leave. We wanted to try and do it at the same time. So the other one wasn't there to pick up all the pieces. And so initially I kind of sent it to him and then she followed up and was like, Hey, we'd love to have you too. And I was like, cool. <laughs> I'm out. That's <laughs> awesome. So, yeah. I mean like that radio is all I've ever done like professionally and for 12 years. And I had big dreams of being in New York or LA or Chicago or some um, Tampa and uh, hosting mornings. And then I just, that became not the dream anymore. Yeah. And it just feels really good. I feel really free and I'm excited. It's it's like scary too. Cause it's like, okay, now what? But, but for the most part, I'm just way happier and I good. feel like myself again. So good. That's awesome. That makes me happy yeah. for you. Like, Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, take care of yourself. That's Thanks. you too. It's thank you. I, I will. I will do my best. Yeah. I mean, and, like you've been through some stuff recently, yeah. especially. Yeah. And have upped, you know, the therapy sessions and, and yep. there's no limit on how to get the help, you know, like I've done a few different things and therapy seems to be one of the better options out there. Yeah. And I always encourage people just like find somebody that works for you. Yes. You know, if, if that person doesn't, click for you, like open back up your phone and find the next person. And heck yeah, you're paying you know, them enough. <laughs> yeah. Find somebody you like. Yeah. And you will, you know, like eventually I think even if you have to go through someone, uh, a couple people or whatever to find the right one. I was really lucky with, with mine that it was just, we had three sessions and after three sessions, he hadn't really said a whole lot. And then finally he was like, do you want to know what I think? And I was like, yeah, like when we <laughs> Yes, I've been dying. Like I've been sitting here waiting. What are you asking all these questions for? But it was like it's been the most transformational thing I've ever experienced and and one of the most important parts of my life, like just to understand myself better and and other things that I've been through and make connections that I absolutely would not have made prior to that. And Mm. um, I didn't see myself as someone like without having depression or anxiety or like some major, major life event that sent me there. You know, it was like, I was just going for 
a checkup, like a tune in, Mm -hmm. like, Hey, could I improve my performance any? And then it was like a big truth bomb, but it was, it's made such a huge difference in my life. So Mm. yeah, I just, I, I agree with you, like find someone even if you don't think, you know, you've got something that you actively need to work on because it's just, it's so beneficial. Oh, but is it there? <laughs> yeah. yeah. It really, it really, it really, you do have stuff. Like yeah. you don't need your stuff, but you've got stuff. Yeah. It's just like whenever you physically learn something about your body and you go take care of it, it, it's like your body heals in one area and then it allows other symptoms to come up of things that maybe you've just dealt with and you didn't know that that was pain. And it's very similar with, with therapy uh, or, or mental health. For me, it's just like anytime I've gone in with the expectation of, I just got this one thing to deal with. You know, you go in and then it's like your mind makes an amends with that one thing. And then all of a sudden it's like, oh, but then here's this other thing. (laughs) And I've just been telling myself, like, look, time is a measurement that man made up. And I know this is going to sound super like dorky and and hippy dippy shit, but like, it's literally, you are on your own timeline. Don't go to the internet. Don't pull up your phone and, and go to Safari and type in how long does it take to heal such and such thing? Because you yourself are your own person and you and your body and your mind heal in your own way on your own timeline. And for me, that relieves me of so much pressure to be a certain way for other people and truly just focus on like, how can I be the best version for me and those who are directly affected by me? Yeah. Cause I I don't want to just like kind of, you know, go for it just for me. Like I, I do love, some people in my life and I, I want to get help for them too, but I should always do it for me. And when yeah. I do it for me, for, for the right reasons, you know, it's, it, it always turns out well. And, and I always walk away better for it. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I don't know if, if any of that, that makes sense. Is a big answer for like the times that we find ourselves in right now, mm-hmm. like, I think it was an issue before, but like, especially now we're really, everybody's stressed, right? Like we're all losing it. It's like more important now to be mentally healthy because that's how we find ourselves like on a bigger scale, getting out of this. I think, you know, like uh, you can only, I think the big, the biggest way that you can make an impact, right. Is by going internally and working on yourself Mm -hmm. first. Uh, really, really it all starts there. And so if we all did that, mm-hmm. I just think about what a better world we'd live in. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, you're doing your part. And I appreciate that, even though we have really hardly any overlapping circles anymore. Like, yeah. you know, it's it's evident that you're doing your part. Thanks. And I appreciate the things that you're you're posting, you know, when you've done the rally or other concerns that you have and that you speak to, to me, it resonates that first experience that I had with you, someone who's willing to step in when needed. And I just say, continue to step in for yourself, continue to enjoy this new chapter. Like it'll be scary as fuck. I'm guaranteed. I can only imagine. Right. I've done a scary thing or two. I get it. (laughs) But like also just take your time. 
Yeah. Like there's no rush for anything. <laughs> and, great advice. Yeah. It, it's advice that I have to tell myself every day. <laughs> I know. I know. I've not mastered some Zen thing. <laughs> yeah. Um, Thank you so much for asking me to join you on your podcast. It's really well, fun to be on the other side of it. I haven't done that very often. So, yeah, it's a little intimidating interviewing someone who's been interviewing people for years. Yeah. You no. know, but you did great. You did good. <laughs> you just got to fake it, right? And that's yeah. what I've been doing all along. Oh, yeah. You yeah, just but, they put a microphone in front of you and you just you just swing it. I don't know. Do your best. Uh-huh. Yeah, for sure. Right. But this is awesome. <laughs> it, was, it was great. So I had a good time. Good. Well, thank you so much for coming on. I'll let you go. Hopefully we'll do this again. Absolutely. Anytime. Cool. All right. Well, you have a good night. Clark, see ya. Later. There we have it. The wonderful Claire Ballard. Thanks so much for coming on, Claire. Hey, you were my first guest since the reboot. That is from my hometown. So thank you so much for coming on and sharing with us today. All right. I'm going to get outside. It's still nice out. Wherever you are, I hope it's nice for you. So get outside before it gets too cold this winter. I know up north it's getting really, really cold. It's what I hear. It's what I hear. All right. What am I doing? I'm just wasting time. Next week, an all-new guest. See you then. Bye.